Get ready for a no BS approach to health and fitness. This is NBS Fitness Radio. All right, everybody. Welcome to MBS Fitness Radio. My name is Kiki Carter. I'm the general manager here at MBS Fitness, and I'm super excited. We have a special episode today. We got a request. Um, we got several requests to hear a little bit about the MBS story. So today I'm taking over and interviewing our very own fearless leader, David Allen. Welcome, right. David. Good to be here. It's good to be on this on this podcast. <laughs> on the opposite side of the interview now, <laughs> <Yes>. huh? <laughs> right on. Well, welcome. Well, so what I wanted to go over today was just hearing a little bit about your story and kind of the journey of MBS. And so to that degree, go ahead and just tell us a little bit about your health and fitness story, kind of how you got started with that. And yeah. All right. Very cool. So I guess my health and fitness story uh, starts um, growing up and we were just an active family. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my parents, um, I remember my dad playing softball, I remember my mom doing taekwondo cool. and, uh, really from a young age, like doing all the, the kids activities. So mm-hmm. doing t-ball, playing basketball, we played, uh, um, I don't think I played soccer. Soccer wasn't that as big as it is now. Yeah. Back then. Uh, played hockey. We would go, uh, we were in Boy Scouts, so we'd go hiking and camping a lot and go cool. canoeing mm-hmm. and go fishing and skiing. So uh, just a very active family. We didn't, mm-hmm. I mean, we did some at home stuff for sure, but I, I just recall yeah, always going and doing physical things. Cool. Um, and in about seventh grade, I remember, I remember kind of like shooting up, uh, height wise. Okay. Um, cause I was always kind of a leaner kid, but mm-hmm. I mean, I shot up. And it was a complete beanpole in like <laughs> seventh, eighth, eighth, and ninth grade. So you weren't always the tallest. It wasn't not. I wasn't not tall. It was mm-hmm. just like once I kind of hit puberty, I grew up before I went out. Yeah. I was like a short kid. I was like a, like a normal height kid, <laughs> and yeah. then I became really tall mm-hmm. and skinny, super thin. Yeah, and so so and the reason I can remember that is like people started commenting about how skinny I was. Mm-hmm. They would start saying like, "Oh man, look how skinny your arms are. Look how skinny this is." And I kind of remember that not being like not wanting people to like comment how skinny I was, like having yeah. a creating a negative emotion in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially at that time, kind of like becoming a teenager um, and kind of like trying to figure out who you are as a as a man. At the time, I remember, you know, being into like um, like action heroes. So I remember. Um, I remember like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone mm-hmm. and uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and even um, uh, Harrison Ford and mm-hmm. kind of being like, well, these guys aren't really skinny bean poles. Mm-hmm. And my dad had a weight set. And I just think this is funny because my dad's not really into fitness anymore. But <laughs> at the time he had a he had a weight set, like the adjustable dumbbell weight set from oh, yeah. like yeah. the 1950s that had um, – concrete filled plates perfect <laughs> and i remember like the red ones i think the red ones are probably like 10 pounds mm-hmm. you know each and like i couldn't pick him up and he would do like calls with them and thinking like oh my gosh like that's your superhero <laughs> that's a so crazy strong and so i started he gave me i don't know if he gave it to me or i found it like in a bookcase but it was like a it was a book that had like exercises to do 
from probably the 60s. Awesome. Just so like dumbbell exercises or just all kinds of things. It was like things. bar as I recall it was like barbell okay. and dumbbell exercises. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember like flipping through the book and just doing every exercise. Like just <laughs> as, as every day. Just kind of like every, ad nauseum. Yeah, every right, day. Here we go. <laughs> no one was guiding me. I mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. flipped through the book. And and um and I remember kind of telling my, my parents like, hey, I need I need a weight set because some of these exercises I can't do without a barbell. And so probably in like seventh or eighth that was in like seventh or eighth grade. Were you playing sports at that time already? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I played baseball, uh, basketball, and hockey. Okay, so all the school sports, but you hadn't started football yet. No, my okay. parents, my parents wouldn't let me play football in middle school because they told me I was too skinny. Gotcha. Okay. So, so you can see how all mm-hmm. this was like a psychological, like, yeah, you're too small. We don't want you to get hurt. Hundred percent. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. And so I remember starting to work out and doing those things at home. Like my parents gave me kind of like this weight set, probably in like eighth grade. They got me this, this weight set. I remember going on a, on a church canoe trip and like someone commenting like, dang, David has muscles. Oh, <laughs> and you're like, this is what I wanted and I was to like, hear. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's what I want. And like, you just see how like that, uh, it's funny to me looking back, like how those like little little things you probably didn't think about. And then now like as a parent, like, ooh, okay, like, how my parent, my kids are going to respond to this, but mm-hmm. just the uh, the emotional responses I had from being told I was too skinny versus the emotional mm-hmm. response that I have from being told, oh, like Tave's got some muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, started working out uh, and doing all that kind of stuff at home. I changed schools from eighth grade to ninth grade. I was in a different okay. school zone, so where most of my friends went to one high school out of eighth grade, I ended up having to go to a different high school. So okay. I had to kind of make a lot, a lot more friends. Yeah, all on your own. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I was trying out for baseball, and in the fall, <clears throat> I, we were doing, um, we were doing weight training for baseball. Okay. So, uh, and I remember like this, the juniors and seniors being like studs, just kind of like looking up to them, like, "Whoa, these dudes are like on another level." Uh, you know, they're probably just like normal now. Like thinking about it, like there's normal high school kids, but that was a 14 year old. You're like, oh yeah, I was like, man, like so these, guys are, these mm-hmm. guys are strong and they're they're mm-hmm. like, they got muscles and because they're all working out with their shirts off. Like, oh man, like I won't <laughs> do that. Because they're like, you know, talking to girls. I'm like, oh, that's okay. I can get some muscles. So I can talk to girls. Um, and so, um, and then I end up hurting my back. I got a stress fracture in my in my lower back, probably from just weight training incorrectly, I would imagine. Sure. Um, or just, uh, you know, the stresses that come with playing a bunch of sports and weight training and all that. But, um, so I couldn't play baseball that year. So I couldn't be on the team. And then it kind of like, it was apparent, like I'm probably not going to be able to play at, uh, on their baseball team. Cause like. Skill wise or. Yeah. Well, skill wise for sure. I mean, if I yeah. was, if it was, that good a player they will let me on mm. but uh, at the time is also kind of where um they had a they had a competitive team in middle school they kind of like fed into mm. that high school team yeah. as is pretty pretty common uh and i hadn't played on that team and then on top of that i didn't get to play my sophomore year so they already kind of had like mm. their several catchers 
Okay. And so it was kind of like, man, there's like two or three catchers have been working with these these guys, these coaches for you know, multiple years. They got to be on the team as sophomores. I can't even play play baseball as sophomores. Mm-hmm. Because I remember in the in the summer tryouts, they kept making me like, "Hey, like, why don't you go try to play outfield?" I was like, "I don't know how to play outfield." <laughs> oh, like, been doing this for years, and that wasn't the position I played. Yeah, it was like it was <laughs> like they wanted to give me a shot, obviously, sure. but like they were like, "Man, like, we just don't need a catcher type of thing." Mm. So I ended up switching schools again, sophomore year. Okay, to play ball or just kind of switching yeah. schools? Mm. To well, well, primarily to, to play baseball. Okay, um, and so. The, uh, and I told my parents, like, I want to play football because this is the only way I'm going to make any friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd already gone through, like, one school transition. It was like, I need I need to, like, play with some other guys, like, before school starts so I know someone when I actually yeah. go into school. And so they, were, uh, they let me play football for the first time sophomore year. And so it was kind of like the combination of, like, being told I was skinny, mm-hmm. getting the affirmation of, like, having muscles – um, going to three different schools in three different years and, like, having to kind of make new friends at each of those transitions. Because uh, a lot of time, like, at, like uh, at the second school and, and eventually when, when I went to uh, ECS, my third school, like, I, I would go and i go to football practice or go to baseball, whatever it was, band practice, and then I would just go home and lift weights because, like, mm-hmm. I didn't really have anything to do with anyone after oh, school. Yeah. I didn't have any friends mm. yet. Um, and so I would just go lift weights. And so it's kind of like the, all those factors kind of just like made me like really love the gym. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like where I found myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in sophomore year, I remember, I remember like coming out of the, so I would go to football practice and I'd wait lift for like an hour, an hour and a half after football practice. Until the coaches would kick me out. They would kick me out of the weight, weight room every day. But, hey, you got to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, like, walking to my car, and there was some other girls in my grade. who I, I knew them, but they didn't, like, know me. Uh, and they were like, oh, wow, like, David, like, you're, you've got muscles. And I remember, like, yes, okay. Like, this is another. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> all right, another affirmation. Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just, like, I'm just kind of thinking back on, like, memories that have like stuck with me along the way and how it's like kind of like um molded me to who I I am and in football they kept I kept getting bigger um through weight training or just kind of naturally as you got older you were starting to grow or both and combination of all the above yeah um I can tell some really funny stories (laughs) so I remember like in probably eighth or ninth grade I started getting to like flex magazine and bodybuilding oh yeah Okay. And at the time, like, I was like, oh, that was kind of my first exposure to supplements. So, like, in in ninth grade, I remember drinking Nitrotech and Celtech, which, like, <laughs> at, were the worst tasting things on the planet and would destroy your stomach. <laughs> like, they were so bad. I, so, I remember, like, I'd drink, I don't know why I did, maybe it was in the instructions, but, like, I'd drink the Celtech, like, after which was creatine okay i drink it like after lunch and they were like time up perfectly but i'd have to go to the bathroom right after the next class period or something <laughs> <laughs> it's like whatever that did so yeah. like uh so i kind of like got exposed to like supplements and nutrition mm-hmm. and so um so I, so I started like really focusing on nutrition in high school what did that look like to you as a high school student though 
Yeah, so some of it was kind of silly. Um, again, another funny story. Um, I would have six eggs for breakfast. Or I have four to six. I can't remember. Four to six eggs mm-hmm. for breakfast, two packets of oatmeal, a glass of orange juice, and a glass of milk every morning. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. And one day I ate it. I went upstairs, just brushed my teeth, and like ugh, kind of gagged myself brushing mm-hmm. my teeth, and I puked it all up. <laughs> and Into the sink? Or just or like wherever. all over. Yeah. No, I, I think I was like, oh gosh, I'm puking in the sink or the toilet or whatever. So uh, I was like, crap. All right, I gotta go eat it again. So I, wa- I went back downstairs, <laughs> cooked it all back up, killed a dozen eggs and eat, in and less ate, than an hour. And ate it again. And was like 10 minutes late to class. And my teacher was like, hey, Mr. V, if you happen to hear this, uh, he was like, uh, David, uh, Mr. Allen. You're late to class. What's going on? I was like, well, Mr. V, I was eating my breakfast, and then I would brush my teeth, and then I puked it up, and then I wasn't about to come to school without anything on my stomach, so I, I remade it and ate it again. And he was like, okay, that's the most ridiculous story I've ever heard. Um, because of that, you win and won't get, you know, you don't get <laughs> a tardy. To, you don't get it to tardy and have to get the attention. Yeah. Just don't do it again, you know? True story, Mr. So, <laughs> so that, I remember I, I, um, there was these things called detour bars, which were like protein bars back in the day. And they were the only ones that tasted good. Like back in the day, everything tasted terrible. Not everything mm-hmm. tastes good. But uh, And I would eat one between every class period. Over a while, I ate peanut butter sandwich, like a folded in half peanut butter sandwich between every class period. Um, and so some people like gave me the nickname detour bars because it was all, like literally between every class. I would like, I got yeah, like, to eat one of bar. these yeah. on the way there. Uh, or they were also really good for, um, bartering for what bartering. Oh, bartering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone was like, Hey David, I'm hungry. I'm like, Oh, what you got for me? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> what can you hook me it's up? Kind of working an angle yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, of course being like a teenage boy, like if a girl was ever like, Hey, can I have a piece of detour? I'm like, sure. You can. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, at lunch I had these, like I'd had two pre-made Tyson chicken breast. Okay. Like and the frozen kind you heat the up. The frozen kind yep. you heat up. And um, like the dehydrated like Idaho potato, mashed mm-hmm. potatoes. <clears throat> and then like, oh, maybe carrots or something like that. Because mm-hmm. um, I didn't really, I didn't know how to cook. And my, my parents would cook dinner, you know, but I, like my mom and dad like never like, mom, they would cook dinner, but it wasn't like, they weren't about to send me to school with like, grilled chicken breast yeah they were like eat the school lunch or we'll make you a sandwich mm-hmm. type of thing um and so kind of had to learn a lot of that stuff on my own kind of going but uh that was what it looked like then after mm-hmm. after school i'd have a shake or after football to have a shake i'd come home i'd eat uh whatever mom made as much of as i could and like before bed i'd have like a calorie shake like whatever the mass gainer <laughs> yeah you know giant mm-hmm. bag of protein with you know whole milk and and the ice cream so I ended up putting like a hundred pounds on through high school. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all new clothes, so much food. Mm-hmm. Your poor parents are like shelling out money. <laughs> I would have to go feed get, you and clothe you. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, I mean, yeah, I would have to go get like new pants every semester. Oh, holy cow. You know, I'd have yeah. to go to like the next pants mm-hmm. size or sem- semester. So like I would have three, we, we had a uniform. So I'd have like three pairs of khakis. You know, and those aren't cheap. I feel like school uniforms are not cheap. I don't know, pretty cheap. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, we're buying that. I, I mean, say like, yeah, I mean, good job, Matre. Yeah, so yeah. I, but you know, we buy. I don't know. Maybe they weren't cheap. I don't know. Maybe maybe I remember something different. But, um, 
but yeah, I would have to get new khakis every every semester. But in football, they kept moving me closer and closer to the line. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I never played football before either, like just backyard football. And I was like pretty athletic, but like I remember the first day of football, they just said, hey, what position do you play? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> they said, well, you look like a, a free safety and a wide receiver. Go play that. Like, cool. What do, what do they do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> point me in that direction. Yeah. And so, I'll like, I remember there. doing the drills, but I remember, like, in team practice playing free safety, they would say, like, cover one, cover two. Mm-hmm. And they would tell, like, they told me, like, cover one, stand here, and cover two, stand here, and cover three, stand here. But no one ever explained, like, the concept of what was going on <laughs> with the different coverages. Uh-huh. So, like, it was just crazy because, like, I would make these great plays. Um, and then, or I would like completely blow it. Yeah. Based on like, I think I did it right. Well, I, was, like, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, uh, okay. Instinctually, this seems like the thing to do. And then if mm-hmm. I guessed right, I could make a great play or I just completely <laughs> blow it. So, um, so I remember that like, and I would gain weight. They put me close to the line and then they put me at linebacker. Like we were talking about mm-hmm. outside linebacker, which means meant I had to cover people and, basically play the run game, mm-hmm. which again, like I, I had no, I had no idea. I just like kind of stood there and like just reacted to what was happening. Yeah. Instinctually. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day, like there was an out, there's an, um, a throw into the flats, which is a part of the field that the outside linebacker was supposed to cover. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't cover it. And I remember getting like, like yelled at like, dad, come in, David, you just let him. And like, I remember having like finally going like, I, I don't know what the flats are. <laughs> Coach. Could you show me that? And they were just like, kind of like, like, what? And I was like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then I had a coach come over and he, <laughs> he said, uh, he was like, David, are you a linebacker or are you a defensive end? I was like, I play outside linebacker. He's like, no, no, no. What I'm asking you is, are you meant to be an outside linebacker or defensive end? <laughs> he was part of that trying to have like one of those like coaching moments yeah. with me. Yeah, yeah. I remember looking at him like, I, I don't know what you want me to say, Coach. I, I'm really confused right now. <laughs> okay, I don't know the difference here. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and so he was like, "Okay, tomorrow you can play defensive end." And I said, like, "Cool." And I showed up, and I finally said, "What do I do?" He's like, "It's easy. If they go this way, you go that way. If they go that way, you go that way. If they go that way, you go that way. If they do that way, you pass rush." I was like, four things I have to do." He was like, "Yep." And it's all reactionary. You just those are four things. You just gotta memorize them and, and get used to reacting. So I was like, "Cool, I can do that." Uh, and I ended up being like really good at it because mm-hmm. it was really the first time anyone had like explained to me what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and I kept getting bigger. They put me close to the line mm-hmm. and ended up being really good at defensive end to the point where I was getting some scholarship o- offers to play defensive end in college. Cool. And so I ended up going and playing defensive end, uh, at Delta state. Awesome. At the time I wanted to be a athletic trainer okay because I, I just why so well again um i i had an awareness of like hey i like physical fitness and uh i want to be kind of around like athletics and all that kind of stuff and that was like something i knew was involved with athlo- yeah, athletics that you saw tangibly every day at mm-hmm. practice <clears throat> um and i did that my first semester and then this, or, you know, I did my prereqs, whatever you got to take the first semester. The second semester, like you had to do, or the second year, you had to do like hours for athletic training. Mm-hmm. Like on the field. 
Yeah, which is impossible to do if you're playing football. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they, like, again, this is, like, a lot of it's, like, man, like, in one of the, in this Chicago, one of the reasons, like, I'm passionate about what I do is, like, I didn't have a, gr- a lot of great direction in, in certain things I was very passionate about. Like, in football, I played three years, and it wasn't to my, like, halfway through my second year that someone was actually like, hey, here's what's going on, mm-hmm. David. You know, I was like, oh, now it makes sense. And, like, they signed me up, my uh, counselor or whatever, you know, signed me up for an athletic training class that you have to get, like, all these hours in during football, which is impossible to get because <laughs> you're playing. The only way you get them is by being an athletic trainer for football. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the semester, like, well, Dave, you know, you didn't get your hours. I was like, because it's impossible. <laughs> Like you set me up to fail here, guys. Like, yeah, I was like, on. you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so I had to change, change, um, uh, change majors. Okay. And I was talking to my coach, like, yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I made me nursing, and he was like, you should be a strength coach. And I was like, that's a thing. He was like, yeah. And I was like, well, shit. Well, of course, that's what I want to do. Like, <laughs> duh, that's like what I love. Yeah. And like, but no, I, I didn't know. You just had no clue that existed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that those were like, yeah. really things that, that people did. What do you think made him make that recommendation to you? Because same thing in college, man. Like, I loved the weight room. I mean, field was okay, and I liked playing football. But, like, like after practice, I would go to weightlift. Mm-hmm. Um, after spring weight training sessions, I would go do more, weight, more weightlifting. <clears throat> you know, um, that was where I loved to be. And, like I said, that's kind of um, – where I identified you know, a lot. And yeah, and he could just see that. and Yeah, and he was mm-hmm. like, no, dude, you're like, you love being in the weight room. Go be a strength coach. I was like, that's an option? He was like, yeah, just go. <laughs> you paid for that? Yeah, yeah. And it was just kind of mm-hmm. like those things. Like, well, duh, yeah, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So then I switched to exercise science and okay. switched my major to, um, or switched my major to exercise science. I minored in nutrition. Okay. So, um, so that, that was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. And out of college, I got to go to LSU and was a strength coach down there for a little bit. Awesome. Uh, which is just a c- crazy awesome experience going from, you know, playing at like a small D2 school. I mean, we were a really good D2 school, but mm-hmm. it, it does not compare to like any SEC school. Yeah, not at all. From mm-hmm. facilities to resources, staff, you know, all that kind of stuff. It got to see like how things were done at, at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And so this was your first strength coaching, strength coach position then? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I like literally left, like, well, left school in May and like went home for a week and then right, right to LSU like the next yeah. week. Okay. Um, and did that for uh, about half a year, um, then got an opportunity to come back up to Memphis and run a D1 sports training which was like a sports development facility. Okay. Uh, a buddy of mine. Like, like a just, private company in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was, a, it was a, a private sports development facility. Cool. And a buddy reached out to me. He's like, hey, I got this position. You want to come up and do it? I said, yeah, cool. Um, so I came up and did it. I still wanted to be go back into college strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. But I needed, um, I made to make, make a living. And I wasn't making one at uh, LSU. And so I um, I did that for a year. And it was okay, but it, like the guy who had originally hired me like left two weeks afterwards. And then yeah. it was like, hey, uh, David, you're going to run this facility by yourself. So I was like the only employee at this place. 
and you're fresh out of college, you're yeah. still new to strength, being a strength coach, still, yeah, I had no idea how to run a business, no probably. No <laughs> idea what I was mm. doing. And and uh, <laughs> I remember the, uh, the head strength coach and, like, maybe the operations manager from, like, their corporate office, like, came down. Mm-hmm. And just, like, I just remember it being, like, they are like, okay, well, uh, he's not costing us any money because I was just getting paid commission. And they're like, if he does good, cool. If he does bad, who cares? That, and they're like, okay, good luck. Like, are you going to stay? Good luck. And he kinda, like, that was kind of like the way it went. So um, I was like, man, like this isn't working out the way I thought it wanted to be. I was like, I'm smart. I'm ambitious. Like I got um, good work ethic. And at, the, and at the time, that was like the first time I remember my dad kind of being like, hey, dude, you need to like get a freaking career, mm-hmm. you know? Uh you know, up until that point, it's like, go to high school so you can go to college. Go to college. Yeah. And then that was like, no, you need a career. And so I was like, well, okay, what can, what can my career be? I was like, well, maybe I'd like to go and be a physical therapist. So I left D1 and then went uh, back to school and started taking all my prerequisite hours that are all my prereqs that I hadn't taken yet. Mm-hmm. Most of them I had. Um, and then I started personal training at a local commercial gym. Okay. Just as like a part-time gig while you were trying to put yourself through school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, semi-part-time. Uh, it, in, it ended up being where I was doing like 30 to 40 hours a week of personal training plus going and taking like a full course load. Course load. Because I remember I like uh, on my two on Tuesdays, I had a 5.15 a.m. client mm-hmm. and then I had a 6 to 9 class. Uh, PM. So I started my day at five fifteen, and it was downtown. Mm -hmm. So I get I get home at usually about I finish class at nine. I get home at probably nine thirty. You know I have to like eat, get ready for the next day, go to sleep at like ten thirty. I have to be back at at the gym the next day at whatever five or six. Yeah, super early. So. How do you build your client base up during that time? Was it just that people enjoyed working with you and spread the word? Kind of how did you go from making that part-time to growing it to 30 hours a week? Well, some of the, my folks I'd had at D1 came with me. So I kind of came in with somewhat of a client load, mm-hmm. not a giant one. Um, one of the, the biggest things was I was just doing things different than every other trainer there at the time. You know, um, and like I was having people squat. I was having people so. deadlift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was writing people programs. Where a lot of the trainers are kind of like, hey, do you, how do you feel today? Let's just kind of like go. Shooting from the hip. Shooting from the hip. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. I like had a binder that had all my clients' programs and held all their progress in it. And I was tracking people's data and mm-hmm. showing them progress. <clears throat> I myself was was training for powerlifting at the time. Okay. Uh, people saw the, like what I was doing. Like, oh, man, like you're strong. You mm-hmm. obviously know what you're doing. Like, I'm interested in learning how to squat, or I'm interested in learning how to deadlift. And I spent all day at the gym. Mm-hmm. So even, uh, I mean, if I wasn't at class, I was. I never went home. Yeah, you were back there. I just went back to the mm-hmm. gym. Um, and so just kind of slowly started building clientele that way. Um, someone who used to just do the 24-hour, or just, uh, just did the gym membership by themselves, saw a buddy of theirs training with me, Saw them make progress and go. Oh man, like I want to be a part mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I did so. I did a lot of self promotion stuff too. So uh, maybe the statute of limitations is is beyond what <laughs> for so I can tell the story. <laughs> but um, 
at the time, the the like gym manager had gotten cancer, and she just wasn't able to, to be at work like sure. really at all. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we had to go like into her office and do things from time to time. And I went in there one day and like I just saw like the met the the answering machine was like you have thirty unread uh, unheard messages. I was like, oh crap! Like that's I knew like when people wanted personal training. They mm-hmm. had had them call her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, crap, those are personal training <laughs> clients. So I pulled out a piece of paper. I was like, I'm going to listen to these messages. <laughs> and I just, uh, like, took down notes. Yeah. Took down notes. And I was like, okay, these are the ones that sound like they'd be good clients for me. Mm-hmm. I'll contact them and get them set up. And um, and um, and the rest, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the, the, the other trainers I think sure. would they be good for. I mean, that's... I mean, you have to have a lot of gumption to do that, I feel like. And so you had, it sounds like, a pretty entrepreneurial spirit from a young age. What do you think kind of caused that and you or kind of grew that within you to be like, oh, yep, I'm doing it. These are my people. (laughs) I don't know. Um, That's a good question. I'll tell you another funny story and then then maybe I'll get my mind thinking some. But at the same time, they had like a board that had all the personal trainers like bios on there. Okay. I remember like they made my bio sound like I'm just some random like normal trainer. I was like, that's kind of crappy. So like I got on her computer and like just searched up like David's bio in the files. I was like, okay, pulled it out. <laughs> I didn't lie on it, but no. I was like, I'm going to put my bio on like what actually <laughs> my bio is. Yeah. You know, because it was it's like. More consistent with who you are. Yeah, it was, it was like David has a degree in exercise science and a and a, a CSCS to the NSCA. I was like, that was it. I was like, that's yeah. Nobody knows. What no that one knows. Is. Like, yeah, let me actually care. say what my bio is. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and I don't know that that got me any clients, but just kind of like a, I don't know. I always kind of like weren't afraid. It sounds like to step out of your comfort zone, or weren't afraid to try things. Yeah, I wasn't afraid to try things, but also like I was like I, I, I like. I was like one like don't do things the right way in the best way, mm-hmm. you know, and and I, ideally we would do that together. But if you're not ready, like I'll just go ahead and do it, you know. <laughs> and that yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I was, uh, I was afraid to just go ahead and take action. Mm-hmm. Like if I saw something, I was just going to take action on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I could repaint off my bio, put up there. I remember one time I was like, I was like, I want to try to get a Saturday class going and and do da 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 da. And so I was like, cool. I'm gonna print out flyers and put it up all over the place. Um. I mean, I got in big time trouble for that, but like, I got like a big, big ass Saturday class for it. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that was kind of one of the, one of the, that, that's kind of like a thing that pick, uh, sticks out in my head of like, oh, this is, these are sort of entrepreneurial mm-hmm. tendencies that kind of existed in me from the start. Mm-hmm. From a young age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of people don't, was, and so, Eventually, uh, I kind of realized, like, man, I don't know if I want to go and be a PT because we did, uh, we did, uh, what's called, um, inpatient PT, uh, hours and which is like basically walking people. Like you'd walk a dog, you walk people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're like in a hospital, there's like yeah. a bunch of people with replaced tips and you'd be like, Hey, Mr. Anderson, it's time to go for your five minute walk today. Okay, come on. And Mr. Johnson, time to go for your five-minute walk today. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I got can only imagine you were uh, bananas yeah, for <laughs> doing like, that. Yeah, and I did like a six or four, six-hour like thing of it oh and just gosh. being like. 
Oh, yeah, you got to get out get yeah. out of here. Um, and so I was like, man, I don't know if I want to P- do PT, but I've already spent like a year taking all my prereqs. Mm-hmm. So I applied at one school. I only applied at UT, Memphis. It just so happened to be the first year they were doing like online um, admissions or applications. Okay. So their application like quadrupled. And I made it into, like, the top 100 or whatever. They got to mm-hmm. go in and do the interview and everything else. But then it took, like, maybe 60 or 70, and I didn't get it. Okay. Uh, and at the time, I was, like, I wasn't really bummed. I was, like, okay, whew, okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was, like, I was making a good living personal training. Um, I was, like, man, like, I'm going to have to go take out student loans. I'm going to have to do three years of not making any money just to kind of come out and basically make what I'm currently making. Mm-hmm. I was, like, that doesn't sound... I could, I was like, I kind of felt like I needed to apply just in case. Yeah. So actually when I didn't get it, I was like, phew, okay, now I'm full bore mm-hmm. personal training. And I was like all about it. Um, so now we're going to talk about some of the foundations of MBS fitness because I was running a, um, I was doing a, an email list. Okay. That you had just collected on your own or was it something you went to your manager's office? <laughs> I didn't, you kinda... I didn't steal their list. No, <laughs> I, uh, no, it was like, it was my uh, clients, okay, previous clients. Mm-hmm. And, he, and if someone like was like, Hey, cool. I was like, I would always be like, Hey man, you want to be on my email list? I send out like some good, some good info every month. Uh, and they're like, sure. I was like, cool. Give me your email. I'll put it on there. Cool. <clears throat> so, and these are just like monthly newsletters you had going out with fitness stuff, nutrition, just whatever you could think of. That it was really just an article that I wrote. Okay, cool. You know, so every mm-hmm. month I'd write an article, and I'd send it to this to this email list. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because, like, I mean, I didn't take any, like, business courses. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't even, like, I wasn't aware that this was even, like, something people did. Yeah, so why so, did you do it then? I it's, liked educating people. Mm-hmm. I liked, I wanted, like, from the very get-go, I wanted people to be, to be educated when it came to health and fitness, because mm-hmm. like a lot of what I saw was people just doing like dumb stuff mm-hmm. that they just didn't know any better. And so, uh, I was like, I, you know, I, I want people to have knowledge so that they can, can be successful. Yeah. Make better decisions and get to where they want to yeah, go. Yeah. A mm-hmm. lot of my knowledge came, came from reading articles online mm-hmm. and uh, reading books. And so I was like, like, okay, if I can share some of this information with people through this, this medium, then, Maybe they'll get better. Yeah, you know, it, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was, it wasn't I, like I didn't have any sales offers or anything. It was literally sure. just yeah. an email that like I typed out mm-hmm. and sent out, <clears throat> like an HTML. <laughs> um, but eventually got to the point where I was like, oh man, like I got a lot of people on this email list, and the way I think I had Yahoo email or something at the time, mm-hmm. the way it was set up was like the most people you could have on any like one list was like maybe like 25 or 50 mm-hmm. and I had like 300 or 400 people on it. Hey, yeah. Okay. So like I was having to like <laughs> send in batches. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to send it in batches yeah. and then like, um, people would reach back out to me and be like, Hey, can you resend that one you sent however long mm-hmm. ago? Mm-hmm. Or can you send this to my friend? It was just like, Oh, this is, this is becoming more work than, than I expected it to yeah. be. And people would just start doing blogs and I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, that would be cool. So I got a buddy to make me a web, uh, make me a website. Okay, and it was called NBS Fitness. So why did you choose NBS to be the name? So NBS, NBS came from a buddy and uh, a buddy in mine were Morgan Canfield. If you hear this, uh, we were uh, he worked at at the commercial gym, 
<clears throat> and we were um, getting ready for a powerlifting competition. Okay. And people would come up and be like, man, what kind of training are, are y'all doing? And we would jokingly say, oh, it's called MBS training, which meant no bullshit. Uh, kind of insinuating like pretty much what everyone else is doing here is, <laughs> is kind of bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh, and so um, then people started saying like, oh, man, like they're doing MBS training. Oh, that's the MBS trainer. Do they have uh, any idea? What st- wait, a few yeah. people did. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, we, we said like, oh, it's called MBS training. It's, good. it's like a form of training. Nothing <laughs> but strength. Yeah, it's, <laughs> right. So uh, people started kind of um, saying that. <laughs> and then my buddy, again, another like in a case of entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and then in uh, side note, people are like, should I own a business? I'm like, I'm like, I couldn't not own a business. Like looking back, I'm like, mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's no way I could, I would ever be able to work somewhere where I couldn't have creative control. Yeah. To be able to do what you wanted. To do what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, because when I get passionate about something, I want to, I want to do it. I want to go. I want to do it a hundred percent. Um, and so a lot of like the friction points that came between me and the commercial gym was me doing that, then being upset about it, mm-hmm. not giving me guidance or like taking saying, Hey man, this dude's got some serious like motivation here. How mm-hmm. can we direct this in a way it's good? Just like shutting it down. Yeah. Which in turn would have been good for them. Because oh, 100%. You could have brought more clients, yeah. could have made it bigger, could have helped a lot more people had they been open to working with you on that. 100%. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why we kind of promote what we call entrepreneurialism. Mm-hmm. But so my buddy and I realized like, oh, you know, if we sell t-shirts, we'll be able to pay for our entry fee into this competition <laughs> and get a little extra money. <laughs> So we made these shirts, and some people still have them. There's only a handful. I think my mom may have one. <clears throat> but they said, um, it just said MBS across the front. Mm-hmm. There's a white shirt, black letters, MBS, in in the uh, gothic font. Okay. And on the on the back shoulder right there were like the, remember the, the no fear eyes? Yes. Okay, so they were right there. On the just on the shoulder. shoulder. Yeah, like complete <laughs> copyright. Yeah, like <laughs> Whoops. So creative. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we sold the shirt. I think we sold like, I don't know, 20 of them or something mm-hmm. like that. And then, um, and so like there's people around the gym wearing MBS shirts mm-hmm. and, and so, yeah, we went, uh, we went and did, did the parallel to meet, um, had the website, had the shirts kind of made. I didn't, I wasn't like planning to open up a gym yet, but, um, I started being some like real friction points with like me and the management of the facility. Mm-hmm. Um, things like they get pissed at people wearing the shirts. Okay. You know, yeah, um, I remember like I, like the, the news station want to come and interview on my clients. Um, and then like the gym wouldn't promote, promote, promote it. Mm-hmm. Like they did it. They did a, they did a, did a, uh, a news segment. They had the video and they promoted other trainers. I was like, Hey, in the news there, why don't you send the thing with, with, with uh, Yvonne, like she was on the news, like this would be a great, you know, promotional thing. Mm-hmm. Like now nah, we're not going to do that. And I was like, why? Like, well, cause she's just wearing it, your shirt. I was like, so yeah. And so yeah. it just became this point for them at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they could yell at me for like wearing my hat on backwards or working out with like cut off sleeve t-shirts mm-hmm. and sometimes just dumb shit that like didn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. Um, in the performance, like as a boss now, like I get it. Like you have some certain standards, but, um, but then they, they never explained it. 
the reason for the standards. Mm-hmm. It was just like, and there was never, there was never any like, Dave, man, you're doing an awesome job, brother. Like, mm-hmm. we really mm-hmm. appreciate the fact that like you're like killing it. You know, let's see how we can like help you out more. Yeah, it was always just like. And another big thing that pissed me off was like none of this, none of the staff exercised. Interesting. Staff is in like management or staff is in other trainers Man- or both and management. Okay. Most of the trainers worked out, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, the management didn't work out like ever. And I was just like, how are y'all managers of a gym yeah. and you don't exercise? And there was like a one lady who was like pretty obese. Uh, and she like, and at the time I didn't have much of a, I wasn't very politically correct or didn't have much of a filter, mm-hmm. you know, and she would come down and like, make some some comment about something you know uh, you know you can't have your shirt on i just be like man f you (laughs) like don't come like you work on the other side of the gym you come down here one hour a week yeah you know you're never in here exercising you don't know any of these people and the first Mm -hmm. thing you're going to do and we're sitting here like changing people's lives the first thing you come down is like tell me to have have an attitude with me and like turn me tell me to turn my hat around Mm. no like I bet you were a model employee for them. Ooh. They loved having you on staff. No. I <laughs> said, no, no. like, looking back, I'm like, oh, I totally deserve to be fired. Mm-hmm. But it also, like, uh, my actions towards them, like, got me fired 100%. Sure. Um, their actions towards me drove me to open up a gym. And saying what a good opportunity for you, too, to see how you didn't want to run a facility. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like, that was like these, like, every, every day we'd have, like, kind of a, or not every day, but every week we'd have kind of like a friction point. I'd be like, man, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'm going to go find a facility that like is more aligned with what I, the way I think a facility should be run and, 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 and the morals and the ideals and, the, and that are the foundation for it. Yeah. So at that point it wasn't I'm going to leave and start a gym. It was I'm going to leave and find something that fits better with my ideology of this. Bingo. Okay. So then talk through a little bit kind of that whole next transition then. What yeah. did that stage look like? Um, in, yeah. Well, so it looked like me just going and like applying at some other gyms. And at every one I was like, no, this isn't. This is just like this other gym, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, I honestly don't remember if. I had the idea or someone else put the bug in my ear, but at some point I was like, okay, I'm going to open up my own gym. Okay. Yep. And it was just like cool, calm, collected. Like this is the next step. I'm taking it. Yep. Um, it's like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I, I, my dad was a um, commercial bank uh, lender banker. And okay. so like, I remember kind of talking to him like, this is what I want to do. Kind of what do I need to do? And so he helped me, um, you know, talk to someone and like learn how to like create a business plan and learn how to, mm-hmm. how to um, find a location and, and so on and so forth. And funny thing is like the location we found, the guy who owned it went to my other gym. It was standing outside the door asking members as they came in about like, Hey, do you know, David, he's trying to open <laughs> up a gym. I'm just trying to get a little feeling for him. Uh-huh. So like totally blew it for me at the other gym. Yeah, I'm sure their management was not happy there. No. Oh, no. They could, like, call me in into their office and were like, hey, <laughs> you're canceling your, your your contract. You have one week. You're the problem child. And I was like, facility. I remember asking why. They're like, because you're opening up a, your own gym. I was like, okay, that's fair enough. And I, I asked. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I said, asked, uh, okay, well, what about my clients? Like, um, and they said, you know, we will. We'll offer them a um, offer them a refund if they want to stay with you. 
Okay. So, yeah. So they weren't opposed to your clients leaving to go with you. They probably didn't like the idea, but sure. you can't prevent it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and like 95% of my clients went with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that goes to show like the importance of establishing a relationship and being a guide for people through their health and fitness. Mm-hmm. The reality is, is uh, fitness is a commodity that you have just access to a gym um, is not how what helps people get better. Mm-hmm. And it's not good for business either. Because if, if fitness is just a commodity, you just can go to the cheapest, newest, uh, flashiest, easiest, whatever thing yeah, it, place. It, it, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but what fitness really is, is uh, self-transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of us need a guide to transform ourselves. Mm-hmm. You can't. You, if you had the ability within yourself to do it, you would have already done it. Mm-hmm. Like the reason uh, you haven't done it is because you haven't been guided through it. That that applies for everybody. Mm-hmm. I need a guide in my own personal fitness, right? So establishing um, establishing those relationships and set myself up as a guide, like was why people were like wherever you go, I'll go. Mm-hmm. Like wherever you, you uh, you're the leader. We're, we're we're ready to follow. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so that was like, let's say on a Monday, uh, they had to give like a bunch of refunds like Monday and Tuesday. They called me in Tuesday. We're like, uh, like Tuesday morning. We're like, get your stuff out like today. <laughs> I was like, what happened to my week? And they were like, you don't get a week you got out today. I was like crap. Lost half our revenue for the month. <laughs> so I had like, um, I had like a, a, a good amount of their, uh, my equipment was there and was like, oh, use, your personal equipment. Yes. Okay. It was like used by members of the gym. So like I brought chains to the gym for the first time. I brought bands mm-hmm. to the gym. Cool. I brought mm-hmm. um, uh, bumper plates and like hex bars and specialty sure. bars, like I, I like kettlebells. Like I had bought it and yeah. brought it to the gym and left it in the gym. And just from mm-hmm. powerlifting and your training with that is kind of how you started that collection of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, tires, sleds, all that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I need this stuff to train my clients. I'll buy it, mm-hmm. you know, and train my clients with it. Um, and so um, they they kicked me out, uh, <laughs> as they should have. And um, I ended up uh, taking all my stuff to my parents' neighbor's backyard. So Javi. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Javi. <laughs> thank you, Javi. <laughs> kind of comes full circle. Yeah. Now she works out at our gym. Um, Javi let us work out at, like, in, the, in, the, in her backyard for like a month. Cool. Um, mm. Now this is like in June in Memphis. So it was like 100 degrees. Yeah, miserable for everyone. It was terrible. Like, yeah. I, like I, I lost like 25 pounds that month. I was outside <laughs> oh, sweating sick. all day long. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I had a cooler full of like Gatorades and waters that I just give out to the clients like every mm-hmm. day. Poor Doug had to go to the hospital one day because he got dehydrated. Uh, <laughs> and yet he still trains with <laughs> still you. Trains yeah. with <laughs> 10 years later. Um, and so then, um, then because my I had signed the lease and they were building it out, but like it wasn't ready yet. Okay, and so that's why you're at Hobbies. Mm-hmm. And so mm. then I went to another facility for probably like a month as well, trained out there because um, I was like, I just can't do it outside anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to um, someone that someone had introduced me to. I was like, can I train here for a month? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah. So I trained at his gym for a month, opened up my gym, and, um, and that was in 2011. So okay. like September 2011 uh, was the first time – we opened out up at all. And it was, it was primarily just the first month was just me personal training people. Okay. And then the second month we opened it up for like 24 hour act or access. It wasn't 24 hours at the time. At that point when you opened it, was that kind of the ultimate goal or was it, 
you know, I just want to be a personal trainer. I just want to run a personal training facility. Um, and that's why you started like that. Or was the long-term goal always, okay, we're going to start here and I'm going to then open up access that people can buy memberships. No, I always want to have, uh, give the opportunity to have memberships. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it was just like I wanted to like surround myself with people who were serious about training. Yeah, who enjoyed know? it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, uh, now, <clears throat> yeah, I always kind of make the joke that like, you know, when I opened up my gym, I was, and when I, one of the reasons I opened up my gym and one of the reasons I was probably been successful was when I did it, I was young, dumb, and broke. <laughs> so like, I had no idea what I was doing, mm-hmm. had nothing to lose. Yeah. You know, didn't know any like, better. Didn't know any better. Yeah. I was 25 mm-hmm. and, and I had some guidance. I'm not going to lie. Like early on, I had people like I could go to and ask questions, but like, I didn't have the framework for owning a business that I do now. Yeah. Like I just, mm-hmm. it didn't, it was a lot of, it was just like off the cuff learning on, on the run, problem solving along the way. So what mm-hmm. were people in your life telling you that at that point when you were like, Hey, yep, I'm 25. I'm opening this place by my own and I'm just figuring it out as I go. Like what were your parents saying, your friends saying people in your life being like, this is a smart decision. This is terrible. Yeah, hey, good luck. <laughs> thank God. Most of them were like, awesome, do it. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. maybe some people did tell me that's that's dumb mm-hmm. and don't do it, but, and I was just like young and arrogant and didn't listen, but sure. I don't recall, like I don't have any recollection of it. Mm-hmm. I don't have any rem- memory of anyone going like, ooh, that's, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like knowing what I know now, I'm like, shit, like if I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I would have opened it uh, knowing yeah. everything I own now mm-hmm. uh, or, or knowing everything I know now. Um, but now knowing what I know now, I'm like, there's no way. I don't think I would have ever felt, felt fulfilled in my life had I not yeah. taken that action. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Um, so, yeah, but I don't, I, no one discouraged me. I thought oh, people only encouraged me. That's awesome. Yeah. My, my dad gave me my, gave me a loan. I mean, oh, okay. I mean he gave me, a, yeah, sure. it wasn't like a, it wasn't a gift. I mean, he gave me a loan, maybe sign a loan document sure. to pay him back with interest, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, but you know, he at least believed in, in me enough to like make an investment in yeah. me. That's huge. I mean, yeah, cause a time. lot of times, I mean, a lot of parents wouldn't have had that same belief, um, yeah. or that same support. Well, and then mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have that ability. Um, you know, I, I probably could have gotten a, I probably could have gotten a, a like a business loan mm-hmm. from a bank, but my dad just was like, hey, like, I know it would be easier for you if you do it through me, and I can mm-hmm. I can have a little more flexibility if you get in a bad spot. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was a nice thing about having, having my dad do it. Now, it's also a good thing that he, like, didn't just give me, the money and say, good luck that you don't have to pay me back. Mm-hmm. It was also good that he didn't just give me the money and say, pay me back. You know, you know, when you can, when you can or yeah. equal, equal. I mean, he gave me a personal loan mm-hmm. with all, all the, the attachments that come with a normal loan. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn to operate, you know, like a business in order to do that kind of stuff Yeah, so, or to pay him back. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I, yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so you open up for memberships then. Kind of what happened from there with the gym? So you're training clients, you open up for memberships, you're still training powerlifting, mm-hmm. you're wanting to attract more people who train similarly to you or have kind of similar similar ideology of health and fitness. Yeah. Kind of what happens next in those early years? Mm, it's okay. That's a, that's a long time frame. <laughs> um, we just grew. I think, you know, 
I didn't do any advertising that worked. I mean, it doesn't advertise even though it works. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it, you, just, it just grew from word of mouth. Okay. Um, just being a place that, like, again, I, I was in a commercial gym, and I was like, this sucks. This is not the way fitness is supposed mm-hmm. to be done. Uh, I don't want to be here, you know? And a lot of people felt the same way. They just recognized, like, man, like, the way commercial gyms do their stuff is just <laughs> not effective. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really they don't really support people who are serious about fitness. They, they support people who... Or dabbling. Yeah. And or, don't want to make... Um, yeah. Don't support them in long-term progress and yeah, long-term yeah. success. Yeah. yeah the, for the, sure. The mm-hmm. goal is to get them to sign in and then never show up again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, like as, as a society, like, we can't afford for people to be getting more and more unhealthy. We've mm-hmm. got to find ways to get people healthy. Mm-hmm. And if the fitness industry itself is, is uh, not doing that in an effective way then then we're kind of screwed right yeah. so yeah okay we're, i was like we're gonna do it in the way that that actually works mm-hmm. um but we grew um a bunch a lot of what we did business-wise was completely stupid <laughs> i mean just were you still just like figuring it out as you went like yes i feel like this sounds like a good idea uh, as a consumer i would like to see this yeah uh, of, of all the skills that come mm-hmm. come with or, or, or all the the necessary skills that come with like operating an, uh, an effective business. I think the only one I had was energy yeah. <laughs> and probably leadership I yeah, think, and, 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 and vision, vo- vision and mm-hmm. voice. I think people looked up to me and wanted me to lead them and, and liked what I had to say. And mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't afraid to say it. Yeah. You know, part of the MBS was like, I was like, we're going to, we're not going to BS you. We're going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, and so that was attractive to people. Uh, we had a lot of, we had a lot of um, um, referrals. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, you got to go check out this gym. Oh, bro, you got to go check out this gym. Like, mm-hmm. we're the only place in Memphis that was doing things the way that we were doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, in, in the gym kind of sphere, you have, like, the big box commercial gyms. There's going to be, like, your Lifetimes, your um, LA Fitnesses that have sure. basketball courts, pools, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. You've got, like, your small box gyms where, like, your ATCs, your 24-hour access ones are just kind of like basic stuff, super cheap. Mm-hmm. You had CrossFit gyms at the time. You had some, out. You had some uh, personal training studios, but you didn't have anything like what we were doing. Sure. They encompass kind of all of that and right. address the lifestyle part yeah, of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, we, and we had, oh man, like I said, like it's just so many memories and people that can come in and come out and employees and just... It just like it just grew and expanded, and then we did the twenty four hours, and then uh, we started doing our first set of competitions, and then we expanded the first gym, and um, I mean, like the first year we had the cops call on us like at least <laughs> once a week. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and this is a crazy thing. It was so in, in the building we were in, mm-hmm. it was split down the middle with the wall. Okay. And the property management company was on one side and we were on the other. Mm. So we were on in this exact same building as a property management <laughs> company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they were awesome. They didn't care. I and mean, we were blaring loud music and dropping weights and doing all that kind of stuff. Being 25. <laughs> yeah. And, and they would come yeah. over and say, hey, it's a little loud. You might turn down. I sure no problem. Mm-hmm. The building beside us would call the cops. They would call the cops. <laughs> uh, the cops, they wouldn't call us. They'd just mm-hmm. call the cops. Cops would show up and be like, hey, we got a noise. Complaint. It's a pretty cool gym. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you do here? Yeah, they're like, oh, cool. Right, let me, let's get signed up. Like So like <laughs> multiple like, times, cops, <laughs> Keep would, calling them. cops would come over and then they would get 
they would get signed up. You get three new members. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's awesome. hilarious. Um, Is this all in the building next door? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Cool. So yeah, so it just grew and expanded. So we went twenty four hours. I mean, the first one of the one of the uh, one of my memories is like that first three months. We were open eight a.m. No, 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 no. Six a.m. Mm-hmm. till eight p.m. Monday through Friday, and then like maybe eight to four Saturday and twelve to four Sunday or something like that. It was eighty six hours a week. I just remember that. Okay. And I worked every single one of them. Oh God bless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you were just open in the gym in the morning, closing it up at night, training clients in the middle. Yeah. Just always there. Yeah, a little, a little the the grind story that people like to hear, you know, it's funny because like, um, a, a, as a business owner, you're always being looked at like, a, which is like the snap the snapshot of where you are currently, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and, and some people do know the whole story. Mm-hmm. No one knows the full story and no one experienced the full story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things like as, uh, as an entrepreneur and other business owners, like I can only have these conversations and, or, or I can only have the emotional and mental connection with someone who else who's owns a business. Mm-hmm. Like even my wife, though she like has an understanding she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And so she can't, and she, ne- she can't, you just can't know mm-hmm. until you've done it yourself. Yeah. And so you put in the hours and do the grind mm-hmm. and yeah. But that first three hours, I worked 86 hours a, a week, every single week, <laughs> open the gym at six, close it at eight. Um, what made that worth it to you? I would do that. I was just passionate, like, to the ultimate degree. Yeah. Uh, and it was hard. I mean, don't get me wrong, but, like, it, well, and it, it, one of the things that made it doable was I was single and wasn't married and having kids. Sure. So, I mean, that, that obviously <laughs> makes <laughs> like it a lot easier. Factor number one. <laughs> but, but also, that's also uh-huh. probably a bad thing because uh, I shouldn't have been doing that. I should have mm-hmm. figured out a way to, like, level up and get that done. Mm-hmm. Um, it allowed, It honestly allowed me to to be a little bit of uh of a something the right word it, it allow me to to be lazy when it comes to working smarter because mm-hmm. I was like I'm willing to work hard yep yeah which is cool but that doesn't account for much if you're not also willing to work smart and that, especially not in the in the world of business no and it's hard to hard to expand on that because you can only do so much right 100 percent. but i worked yeah 86 hours a week uh for three months straight i didn't take a paycheck for the first three months i was living off of savings um i remember like i canceled the internet at my house i um i like wouldn't turn my heat on i wouldn't turn my <laughs> ac on mm-hmm. but i would turn my ac at like 80 or like 85 sure or, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, like just a, enough like naked <laughs> with the fan blasting like okay i think i can probably sleep like this you know <laughs> if i take a cold shower before bed i can go sleep mm. and not that i was like i mean i was bootstrapping it a bit sure. but i was just scared to death mm-hmm. because like from the very get-go everyone was just like oh yeah like most businesses fail in the first three months i was like oh crap like i gotta do everything mm-hmm. possible to save as much money as i can these first three months so sure. like Every dime the, mu- the 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 business made, like just stayed in the business account. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like and uh, you know, was eating, you know, um, like co- college meathead food. So I was, you know, tuna, white rice. Yeah, just the cheapest stuff you could get. Ba- basic, you know, yep. White bagels, super easy. Yeah, super yep. easy, um, stuff. And then after three months, I remember like I traded someone like a membership to like close the gym down like a couple nights a week. 
Okay. Yeah. So you hired your first, hired, hired my first employees first were mm-hmm. like, not, I can't remember if I had other trainers then or not. I don't think I started in the first three months, but like soon there, like I had some other trainers mm-hmm. and, um, and was, um, was, uh, like trading out membership for closing the gym down. <laughs> this is, and it was like, it was like six to eight. Can you okay. just close the gym down so I can like get Two some sleep? Hours. Yeah, like that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Okay, so you're in the other gym, starting to kind of figure out like here I can work it to not work every single hour of the day and kill myself. Yep. Uh, how did you get to being in this building and kind of the next chapter of the journey for MBS? Yeah, so we just kept growing. I kept learning as a business owner and growing, and um, you know, um, I think, I think one of the I don't know if it's a skill set I developed, born with, I'm not sure. Um, but I've always felt like I've been pretty good at problem solving mm-hmm. and enjoyed it. Um, and it may just be that, like, when you are the business owner, like, problem it ends yeah. up with you, so you're going to have to solve it at it some out. point. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, like I said, I just kept kind of growing and, and learning. And, okay, well, this is actually a better way of doing this. Okay, this mm-hmm. is actually a better way of doing this. And, you know, just kind of growing and doing all that stuff. And, um, so, you know, the, the, the business grew in, in all areas. It grew, um, in clientele. I remember the first time we got to a hundred members mm. and being like, oh my gosh, it's this big is crazy. Down. We have a hundred members. Oh my goodness. Um, I remember, you know, we grew staff, so we had more staff coming on. We had more trainers. We mm-hmm. had, um, managers, uh, in front of staff kind of like, um, now kind of filling a lot of the roles that. Sure. That, that I was done. once mm-hmm. done a solo, uh, and we we just grew. I said in maturity as a as a company, um, and so one day I went out back and I just saw that this building had a for sale sign on it, and I knew the property owner also owned this building. I was okay. like, "Man, y'all selling that, that that building?" And they were like, "Yes." I was like, and I always thought, man, that would be such a cool gym mm-hmm. because it's got two giant bay doors in the front and the back mm-hmm. and i just remember like that would be so cool you had like the the giant glass in the front so you'd have this, all this natural light coming in you have the bay, the bay door in the back that you're going to open up we didn't we had a side bay door eventually in, in the other building <clears throat> but the lights were like straight uh industrial lights we had a couple of uh skylights in there <laughs> and it was like it was not bad if it was sunny but if it was like later, in the, if it was overcast or later in the day, it was just, it was like dark. Was, <laughs> some people were like, oh, I love it. It's a dungeon feel. It's like, that's cool. But like, I, I'm in here all day, yeah. every day. And like some, <laughs> some light would be nice. <laughs> you know? So members who have been here for, since the beginning, like have told me before, like back in the dungeon days of the yeah. dungeon gym. <laughs> yeah. It definitely had the dungeon uh-huh. feel. Cause it was just like dark and damp and like, yeah. It was not well lit. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was like one of the things I was like, put, I was like, make this thing bright. Yeah, put like, all the brightest, as many lights as it'll fit and yeah, make like, it bright. Um, give me sanity. And the colors in the other gym were black, red, and gray. Okay. Which were cool, but one of the reasons I went with orange was like, I looked up like, what's the most energetic color? And like bright orange is like That's the funny. most energetic yeah. color. And, um, and I was like, I, I was like, gotta do something like energize this up because like literally in the other gym like uh-huh. i would be like oh, man, I'm, I'm like 
getting depressed like, yeah. because of the. <laughs> it's like so dank in here. <laughs> like, just because like it's looking. dark. Well, mm-hmm. in the last like two months, one of the lights went out, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not replacing that light if we're moving out in two two months or whatever. <laughs> Come and train with us, guys. <laughs> like, this is inviting. <laughs> so like in the back corner, it was like uh-huh. literally just complete darkness. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like whatever outside light was <laughs> yeah. there was like what lit it up. So. That was pretty so you funny. Send clients who act up yeah. <laughs> or don't do their squats right. Some people love it. Like I love yeah. it in the dark. I was like, you can't, you can't even see what the weight plates say. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, so he was like, yeah, we're selling. It. I said, okay, well, if you let me out my contract, I'll buy it. Cool. Mm-hmm. And so, um, bought the, bought bought it in two thousand. Actually, bought it in two thousand and fifteen. But the, mm-hmm. the, there was some there was a company in here that had a um, that had a lease on it to to finish out. So okay. I bought it. They finished out their lease. Then we moved in here in May of 2016. Cool. Okay. And then so at that point, you were still 24-hour, still doing personal training. Kind of what was the state of the business at that point? So just doing those things, did you have any other foresight into what you wanted to do? Um, or was it we're happy doing this and we're just growing, so we've got a bigger space now? Uh, we were doing 24 hours. We were doing personal training. Um, we were doing custom programming and nutri- nutrition. I think at the at the time we had a, a chiropractor who would do some stuff on Saturdays. We had a massage therapist who would do some like she would just like set up her massage table like in the gym. Cool, mm-hmm. you know, and work and on people. Work on people. Yeah. And so we built actually these two rooms to like house the massage therapist and the chiropractor. Cool. So I knew I knew like that was one of the things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that that and we would do competitions. I don't think we were we didn't have any group trans at one point we had like a like a boot camp thing that we did f- for a little bit <clears throat> that kind of died out so we didn't we didn't have any any group training at that time um but but we, we moved in here and yeah it was, it was more kind of just like okay like we're leveling up like not that we're like we're becoming more commercial but it was just like we're becoming more professional sure mm-hmm. you know what i mean um from like bartering like if you close for two hours i'll give you a free membership yeah like that figuring kind out of, how to have yeah. staff how to yeah learning yeah. how to just mm-hmm. run a business the way like businesses actually have to operate to like mm-hmm. be successful yeah um, and provide a good solid experience across the board for people yeah one mm-hmm. thing that i i tell other business owners like hey martyrdom's not a good business strategy yeah you know mm-hmm. it, your clients may love it but they're probably not gonna like it when your business goes under yeah so just learning mm-hmm. like uh Learning proper ways to like price things to pay employees to um, structure different aspects of the, of uh, uh, of um, your offerings and and everything just all kind of things that really kind of come in him here we just kind of started leveling up and learning and one mm-hmm. thing <coughs> so funny story or uh, next kind of big big MBS moment was um, Angie of Wolf River CrossFit reached out to me and said. Hey, I'm thinking about uh, renting out your old space, and was just kind of curious about what you thought of the uh, the owner and the management group mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I remember being like, I don't know if I want a, a another gym opening up right <laughs> yeah, beside my gym." Now she was CrossFit. <laughs> she was CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I was like, "I don't know if that's a good idea." Um, and we had all we had also kind of had the idea of of opening up. Um, eventually doing CrossFit because we wanted to support kind of like all the iron sports mm-hmm. and, and the CrossFit was one of the ones like we hadn't been really you supporting at all. In, yeah. And you're still powerlifting yeah. then at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I, I powerlifted for about 
with about 10 years in total, I did two bodybuilding competitions in, in between there. Uh, and then before I powerlifted, I did like a, a brief stint in powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, um, sorry, I did some powerlifting. I did bodybuilding. I did strongman. I did um, Olympic weightlifting, and I did an endurance race. And I stuck with powerlifting for about 10 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I did one bodybuilding show like in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was still powerlifting at the time. And then so Angie called me up, and I was like, mm, why don't we talk? So uh, went and talked to her, and. And, you know, she was dealing with a lot of the struggles that come with, with being a business owner. Um, and she was trying to figure out like how to kind of grow her business. And I was like, you know, uh, it's probably better if we combine forces Mm -hmm. versus the separate forces right beside each other. Sure. And, uh, so we had the conversation and actually worked out where we brought, um, her over to MBS so she could run our CrossFit. Cool. So you essentially bought Wolf River CrossFit. Yeah, we bought Wolf River yep. CrossFit, brought Angie on board, mm-hmm. and then started running CrossFit here. Cool. So, um, oh, go ahead. Well, and uh, great decision, um, but the first year was rough. <laughs> yeah. So talk a little bit about that and kind of what it has evolved to now. Yeah. So um, I think Angie and I had the same passion for um, for helping people and wanting. To, to build health and fitness as mm-hmm. a um, as a transformation uh, for people's lives, so they could you know they could be healthy and be happy. Uh, so we're on the same board with that, um, and we were on on board the same as like we needed to have a secondary space, mm-hmm. um, and it just took a little bit to get that done, and we weren't quite ready for like what was gonna what it was gonna be like to do group training yeah, in, in, the interim. <laughs> in the interim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what ended up happening was like, we kind of just converted this space to the CrossFit space. Mm-hmm. Um, well, trying to run a group training in a open gym area is really tough Yeah, because it's not a secluded and there's no like barrier to go into that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, is there be people working out in the middle of it and be like, hey, like, you got to get out because we're about to mm-hmm. do group training yeah, right now. 6 p.m. class coming. Yeah, and, they, oh. you know, the people would be upset that they were getting kicked out of the space. Like, why can't I use that yeah. space from this? Um, and, you know, it was both sides. You sure. 24-hour yeah. people and, uh, and, and the group training pe- people just, you know, just some friction with regards mm-hmm. to, like, hey, this using this space. So you're trying to, like, do a wad and – someone's not paying attention and walks through, through the area <laughs> or, you know, you're trying to, yeah. you're trying to go out on a run and someone's like, like gets in your way, you know, yeah, that, all that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. Right. Mm. Um, you know, and at, at the time there's also, you know, CrossFit's come a long way and in, in the way, in the way it's done early on in its days, it was the, it was the mm. wild, wild west. It was a wild, wild west. You had a bunch of people doing a bunch of dumb shit. You know, and you had people, you had, you had really great people, mm-hmm. but you had people who just didn't know what they were doing and, and really shouldn't have been involved in guiding people. <laughs> and coaching and that, co- yeah. And coaching. And that, unfortunately, there's still some of that stigma today, and it's like a lot of trying to re-educate people on what it actually is or can be yeah. in a very safe environment. 100%. Mm-hmm. And so you had the, uh, 
you had to kind of like cross it coming out at the same time as the internet and then videos of people doing really dumb stuff and then mm-hmm. kind of people like, oh, well, CrossFit's stupid. And well, one thing CrossFit did that that kind of radicalized um, training, which I was talk- joking about this with a client the other day, is like really up until the 2000s, every training system was just d- designed around one specific capacity. Mm-hmm. Like you ran – you know, mm-hmm. and if you're a runner, all you did was train for whatever distance you were running mm-hmm. or you're a powerlifter or you're a bodybuilder or you're an Olympic weightlifter or you did gymnastics or you did yoga. Yeah. No one did. Combined any, them all. No one did any cross training. Mm-hmm. Like there was this like, sim- which is kind of crazy to think that like someone had this concept that was like, you know what? It's probably good to be strong and be mobile and flexible and have pretty decent endurance. <laughs> yeah. So how can we train that? Right. And, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so that was kind of one of the first things that CrossFit did. And, uh, but in, in doing so, like it had to figure out what it was mm-hmm. uh, and grow a lot. And so there's a stigma with like some just people doing dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and likewise, like if you're a solo sp- uh, solo capacity, like, like athlete, like you're just a powerlifter, or just an Olympic lifter, or just a bodybuilder, or whatever else. Um, then like it, it and, and CrossFit also came out like super arrogant. Mm-hmm. Like we're the best. Yeah. We're the this best. We're the, we're, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Well, okay. That, that pissed off everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. It pissed me off too. Uh, their original way of doing programming was also kind of stupid, which is like complete randomness, just mm-hmm. throwing stuff on the board and like randomly do it. And, you know, um, tear your, tear your calluses no matter what, or like get injured <laughs> yeah. or get rhabdo, yeah. you know, but it, it was a pendulum swing away from the, the commercial gym, sit on a recumbent mm-hmm. bike and watch Fox news. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it was the pendulum, the, the totally opposite way mm-hmm. of extremism. Right. And so this, anyways, those cultures clashed early on, mm-hmm. you know, where, uh, and, and and really what it was, it was like uh, the, 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 this cultural culture class, not between like your average everyday CrossFitter, because like CrossFit, just like it is now, there's CrossFit, like the top people mm-hmm. who a lot of times are just younger, uh, more competitive, can also be a little bit more arrogant, mm-hmm. you know? And that was kind of what people saw. And there's the ones that tell you, oh, you know, and, and there's the, you know, the, the glassman could get like all hyped up and be like, well, crossroads should be able to go in and win any bodybuilding competition mm-hmm. or win a, win a power to me and just say stuff that's not true. Right. But you also had, um, you had your crossfitters who were just people looking to be fit and mm-hmm. healthy and not necessarily trying to compete on any level, you know, and they're to them, they're just like, oh man, like this is awesome. Like I'm pushing myself. I'm doing hard things. I never thought I could or would do. I'm doing them and I'm building confidence and I'm, I'm feeling better and I've got a community and you know, all the positive aspects of it. So, um, there was a bit of a culture class on the early end Mm -hmm. with some of the, some of the more competitive strength sports athletes kind of like, um, looking down on some of the power, sure. uh, some of the, some of the CrossFitters mm-hmm. and some of the CrossFitters kind of being like, the ones are so stupid. They're screaming and they're deadlifting and yeah. da, 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 and all that kind of stuff. At yeah. the time I was, I was powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like I was, I was seeing, and then I had originally started off like with the CrossFit's kind of stupid mentality. Okay. Mm-hmm. But as it, as CrossFit developed and I matured, I kind of saw the benefits of it, you know, mm-hmm. and went and decided, Hey, like this is something that actually fits in line with what we're trying to do as a business. Mm-hmm. 
Side story, if we don't have time for yeah, this, no, you have to share. It. Will you please tell the story of you getting your level one doing oh, the gosh. workout <laughs> okay. as a power lifter? Yeah, so I was like, so to, in order to open up a CrossFit gym, you have to get your level one, which is their like certification mm-hmm. program. So I went to uh, do my level one. I was like 285, like the like biggest I'd ever been powerlifting, <laughs> like just huge. Big dude. And with no conditioning whatsoever. And the workout we did was 21-15-9 thrusters and burpees over bar. Uh, and like, <laughs> and the workout was 95 pounds. And like being a powerlifter, I was like, well, I mean, 95 pounds is kind of kind of light. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I think I could do 130. And they were like, just pick whatever weight you think you can do. So you put more weight on the bar. I put 135 oh. on the bar. And just for reference, in case you don't know, a thruster is where you do a front squat, stand it up into a push press. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had not been exposed to any CrossFit, so I had no idea how to like, how to pace yourself, strategize or, or pace myself for that workout. So yeah. I did 21 unbroken thrusters. Oh, gosh. Maybe it wasn't even, I think it was just burpees. I don't even think it was burpees over mm-hmm. bar. And then I started doing my burpees and I think I got through like, the first 15 of the burpees was like, oh, shit. <laughs> this is not okay. This is not okay. I'm going to die. And then I finished out my burpees. And then there was, like, of course, the set of 15 that, like, I just sucked at. I should mm-hmm. do five. I put the bar down. Like, <sighs> five. <sighs> and so, mm-hmm. uh, like, everybody in the class finishes, like, a good five to six, seven minutes before, like, I, <laughs> I finish. I'm just, like, sucking air, like, plopping on the ground like dragging myself up plopping on the ground dragging myself up and then of course the the coach is like all right <laughs> they're all trying to cheer you on okay. i'm sure like, Come on, like, David. like he wasn't even trying to cheer me on he was just, <laughs> he was just giving me complete hell i was just like like i can't remember what he was saying but i remember uh, like like laughing and also being like ah oh, this sucks everyone's yeah, looking at me like, humbling so yeah died in my first level one so all of us kind of coming around you got your level one brought crossfit in mm-hmm. and then ultimately though built the building in the back yeah that was so, kind of the game plan mm-hmm. the whole time so we knew like hey we need to have a separate building to do our group tra- training in and so um it just it took longer than we thought we were gonna take sure. so mm-hmm. 2018 january 2018 okay. went through september of 2016 through the end of that that and then all of 2017 then started building the building at the fall of 2017 because the okay. idea was like originally i think we we're trying to like hey in six months can we make this happen ended up like taking a year to like get everything in place to start making it happen and started making it happen in like September, October. And then it was ready by January. Cool. Okay. So 2018 built the the second building and started doing group training out of that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, And so at that point, then you had 24 hour in this front building, personal training, custom programming, still doing nutrition coaching. And now the addition of CrossFit kind of in its own separate space. Bingo. Yeah. So then at that point with the business, kind of what was your vision for for what MBS had then evolved into and where you wanted to see it go? Well, I, um, it's, it's hard for me to remember exactly what my vision for it at that time was, but I wanted to, uh, to be a comprehensive place for people to, to be able to reach all their goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted it to be a place where people could explore fitness over, the, over their lives. And, and, I, and with the recognition that, that, uh, in, in my own life, um, I, I kind of realized, like, man, I'm going to have to take a step back from, like, this competitive powerlifting for a bit. 
Um, my body was really beat up. And so, yeah, what was the onus for that for you? My body was just that? getting, like, really beat up. Like, mm-hmm. my knee, I couldn't ever squat because my knee was killing me. I tore my rotator cuff. Mm-hmm. My labrums and bench press was hard. Did you guys have kids at that point? We were trying to have kids. Okay. Um, I had time to come off uh, testosterone. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was just kind of, like, all these things together. I had gotten to my heaviest weight and felt terrible. I was like, man, I feel like, which was a real big shock to me because I've been an athlete my whole life. And I just mm-hmm. remember, like, like, you know, trying to go upstairs or trying to get up on the ground or whatever, like, thing. I was just like, I'm just fat. Like, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I justify it. I'm like, I'm a big, strong guy. But, like, I'm just kind of fat. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not an athlete anymore. I was like, yeah. I was like crap. I, and I think I was, like, probably 30 in 2000. 2015, I was 30. Yeah. So, you yeah. old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I was, I was like, man, like, I'm, or whatever it was, you know, eight years ago, 10 years mm-hmm. ago, I was like, I was pretty at Dagum Athletic, and mm-hmm. now I just feel like a fat guy. So, um, anyways, I recognized it myself. I was like, I need to, I have to step back from like this competitive paddling for a little bit. And, but I, but, Fitness has always been part of my life and something I'm super passionate about. And I want to be, I was like, I want to be fit again. I want to mm-hmm. be an athlete again. Like I took, I took this competitive powerlifting to the place where it was going to go at the time. And I just needed a shift. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what I wanted for, for the gym as well. I wanted it to be a place where people could explore fitness across their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could be supported and guided through all of that. Um, I've always had people in my life who've, who've been involved and guided me. I've always had coaches, um, um, whether it be in football or, or for powerlifting or for um, bodybuilding or nutrition, whatever, whatever it's mm-hmm. been. I've had people, I've, I've been, always been surrounded by uh, a community of people to help me get better. Yeah, to get um, you to where you wanted to go. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, at the time, my vision was like, you know, how can we help more people? How can we, how can we ensure that people are, uh, or being introduced to fitness in a way that's effective. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we, how can we as a staff bring our knowledge and our, our systems and our operations to a level that's uh, really going to support our, our clients throughout their, throughout their journey um, and keep them from, you know, sign up for just a little bit and falling off. And yeah. so um, that's been my vision for a long time. Uh, we're just, continually evolving and getting better at it yeah how so, you implement yeah. that so at the, I mean, at the time i think we had like the new recovery room because like man like one thing people could, could definitely use some more of is is like recovery and some injury um injury rehabilitation or prehabilitation or whatever it would be and like adding that next step on sure. and a lot of it's just been like you know improving systems to continue to to be better at that goal. Yeah, to better help people with yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's one thing that people really love about MBS, and I think that really sets MBS apart is because, one, like you mentioned earlier, fitness is so much a commodity or is pushed so much as a commodity in America Yeah. Um, that when people are like, wow, there's someone who will guide me and I'm actually making progress and, like, cares about me and wants to see me succeed. Yeah. Um, really then motivates them to be like, okay, good. This is what I need to continue to make these healthy choices to better myself for myself, but also for all of the people around me too, um, over the course of their lifetime. We're a lot, so often we're like, we need to lose 30 pounds in 10 days, you know, 30 days or whatever. Um, which is good to have those goals, but also I think a lot of times people miss the long-term aspect of in 20 years, I still want to be healthy. Yeah. 
What and you know this? One of the benefits of being in this industry is we get to see it all. Mm-hmm. I got like like we get to see what happens to that person who comes in and is just looking to lose thirty pounds and in, in ten and you know six weeks or whatever it is, uh, and like what happens in, to themselves physically, mentally, mm-hmm. and that like that constant um, cycle of like on and off and on and off feeling good about yourself and bad about yourself and good about yourself. We get to see what happens. Like, okay, this is, this is this client who came in who's six years old and never exercised. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Here's this client who came in at six years old and exercised every day of their lives. Mm-hmm. And we get to see that giant contrast. Right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, recognizing that we then get to kind of like understand like the psychology behind what's it really going to take to help these mm-hmm. people get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to implement that and we see it in our own lives, you know, and w- one thing that, that has kind of come full circle for me was like when I first started, I was a single 25 year old, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm, I'm married to three kids, 35 year old. Mm-hmm. And so I'm seeing like a lot of things I said or suggested at, at that, at that, at that point, like weren't, <laughs> weren't necessarily the, the, the most realistic things for someone like now in my situation to, to implement. Yeah. Like but, <laughs> mm. but the other side of that is I'm 35 married with three kids, business owner who is, is still, implementing fitness in my life mm-hmm. you know um and so and i can help guide people better through that i can and mm-hmm. i can look at someone and uh, now i can look at that person and say like it's one thing when you're 25 to sell, tell someone who's 40 like hey mm-hmm. this is you need to train three days a week you're like, i can't because i got the and but now it's like no you need to train three days a week and you can do it. I know I'm doing it. <laughs> You're like, I've got all of the reasons that yeah. you do too to make excuses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then likewise, like we're, I'm in position now <clears throat> and as a, a society or as a facility we're in position, I was like, uh, Hey, look, when you're 22, 25 and like, man, you want to like be the best pal there mm-hmm. ever? Like, cool. I want to support you in that. Let's make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also seen over across like my years that like, for most people, that's only about three to five years, yeah. and then something's gonna ha- gotta happen after that. And one of the, like one of the things I, that, that that breaks my heart the most is that I've seen so many people come in as powerlifters and and leave as people who don't exercise, mm-hmm. and and I like and the psychology behind that is something I've kind of thought through and talked to people and, and kind of tried to figure out. But uh, but that I don't want that. Like I like the, you need to. You need to t- flip the light switch on and start exercising mm-hmm. now, and th- it doesn't stop to the day your heart fe- stops beating. Yeah, you know what I mean. How you do it can be totally different. There's going to be t- periods of your of your life where, like, yeah, you want to train three hours a week. You put you want to be competitive. You want to do you want to do bodybuilding. You want to be a competitive strength sport a- athlete or competitive crossfitter. Like, do it. It's probably unrealistic that you're going to be able to do that, that forever. Yeah, that you're going to be a competitive mm-hmm. athlete for fifty years. That's probably just not realistic, right? So creating an environment and a pathway for people to do that and then do something else. Or to find fitness in your, if, if you're in the craziness of your life, you know, if you're in the toddler years or you got the kids, you're driving your kids around all over the place, like there's not a whole lot of room and capacity for you to, to, to add much to that. Mm-hmm. 
but you still owe it to yourself and to your family and to the rest of the society to take care of your health and fitness and figure out a way to do that. But there may come a time where that backs off a little bit and you may decide, I want to do a powerlifting meet. Mm -hmm. And you should. And see, that's where I see most most people kind of being um, exploring that. It's like either on the backside or on the front side of that like crazy 30s. Yeah. Like they're either doing it in mm-hmm. their 20s or they're doing it in like their 50s, 40s or 50s. Yeah, when kids are out of the for house. For the first time. Mm-hmm. The first time. I wanted you to be able to explore that here at MBS Fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes to the dimmer switch model we talk about a lot with clients and yep. poten- or, you know potential members of – when the lights go all the way on, that's great, but they can go off just as easily. 100%. And so if we can get on that dimmer switch, the lights are always on to some capacity based on what your current life circumstances look like. But at some point, it's still always in your life. So you're never totally taking it out. 100%. Yeah. I love it. That, when I first heard that, it was so like, not life changing is a, a big way, but like it was articulated so well, like that's exactly it. I see yep. that in so many of my friends' lives, that exact thing happening. Bingo. Yeah. So getting people into that mentality. Yeah. Very cool. Well, let's kind of wrap it up then in terms of vision. So you're now at this point in, you know, business ownership. You've been around almost 10 years this year, which is awesome. Um, The business has definitely evolved since you first started. Uh, Just this last year, you kind of came out with your vivid vision for the next couple of years. Um, Do you want to add anything or kind of share a little bit about that where you see NBS going? in the upcoming years. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, the vivid vision is just uh, a mental exercise to kind of really like put into clarity, you know, where do I want to see the business going over the next three years mm-hmm. and to kind of like paint a, a vivid picture of that. So that for myself, but also for all my staff and all my clients, it's kind of say, put it out there into the universe and say, Hey, this is who we are and this is where we're trying to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of it's just a lot of it's what we're, what we've always done and what, what we're, you know, always been about just a little bit more clarified. So definitely in our mission statement, you know, uh, with regards to the body being the, the vessel of the soul and, and having a responsibility to steward that properly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I really sat down and, and, and wanted to put that into words as clearly as possible. And I'll read that out to a lot of people. And one thing we can do with this podcast is, is share that out. But, mm-hmm. but, um, and, and that was, that's meant to be like very clear. Like what, why are we different from planet fitness? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, why are we different from LA fitness? And like, what, what do I feel the fitness industry should really be about? Mm-hmm. How are we actually going to change people's lives? Because we are on a speed train to un- ill health in this country. Mm-hmm. And everyone's on that same train. Even if you're taking care of yourself, you're on the same train as everyone else. Mm-hmm. This past this past year was a giant um, eye-opening experience to the ill health of America. And guess mm-hmm. what? It affected all of us. Mm-hmm. The unhealthy. Healthy and not. Yeah. And the, mm-hmm. the healthy and the unhealthy. You know, at some level, it impacted us differently. A lot of the, the more unhealthy people were impacted physically, but everyone else was still impacted socially, economically, mentally, emotionally, everything else. So, uh, it is important for us. It's important for you as an individual. You owe it to yourself, and you, you owe it to everyone else to take care of yourself physically. Period. In that sense, we owe it to, as a fitness industry, to support people in that, mm-hmm. and to structure our businesses in a way that's going to support people and actually get people to be more healthy. Mm-hmm. And the way most corporate 
fitness is structured does not do that. Mm -hmm. It plays off of people's emotions and is 100% designed around just profitability. Now, as a business, it is your responsibility to be profitable because when you're profitable, you can better serve your clients for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So you owe it to you owe it to everyone as a business to be profitable. I'm not I'm not saying bot businesses don't need to be profitable. Yeah. But if your business is profiting off of a current um, issue within within our country that you're that you're doing things that's actually being detrimental to that, mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. And so our business is positioned to fight against that. Yeah. Very clearly. And uh, more so than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, no bullshit is our approach to things. And that means telling the truth, even if it can c- create some uh, negative emotions in people. Controversy. Some yeah. controversy. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know? uh, it's, just, it's our responsibility to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Cool? Uh, so the Vivid Vision did a great job of helping me clarify that so that mm-hmm. I can share it with my staff and I can share it with my clients and I can share it with the world. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, what we want to do as a business is uh, expand. We want to create more locations. So our goal is to have three locations in three years. Uh, and the reason for that is very simple. Uh, because we have crazy, amazing impacts on people's health mm-hmm. and fitness. We, we, we get to see people transform their, their lives every single day. Mm-hmm. We get to see people's personalities open up and then to start smiling and then start building confidence in each in themselves and capability in themselves and exploring the world and living a life that they would have never lived had they sat in the in the uh, in the uh, ill health that they were currently in had they not started mm-hmm. pursuing this and changing themselves and people deserve that we we serve the mission of helping people live the lives that they deserve mm-hmm. and the reality is Part of what we do requires you to, to sit across the table from us, mm-hmm. you know, to train you in person and to get to see you. And with one location, we can only do that with so many people. Yeah. So with multiple so locations, mm-hmm. we need to go out and help more people live the lives that they deserve. I love it. It's great. It is going to be very cool to see that come to fruition in three years because it will, and it will be amazing to see the impact that that has on the greater Memphis community. 100%. Um, and yeah, to your point, I think the vivid vision very clearly articulates why we're why MBS is different, and people appreciate that yeah. because they see the actual impact of that. Um, of they see the actual impact of how being different really gets them healthier, fitter, and being better versions of who they are. So, very cool. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. me. Take over. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you'd love to share about the gym, where you know MBS, the story, where it's going, anything like that? I think we had hit on the on all the big things. Like I said, it's a it's a ten year journey, so it's yeah. it's it's uh, fun to go and relive it, and it's mm-hmm. also hard to to you know encompass it all in just a short period of yeah, time. Yeah, in just a short podcast. Yeah. Well, you did a great job. So did I uh, earn my right to come back and host the podcast again? Yeah, definitely. In fact, this is now. Put that on the recording so everyone hears it. This is now your uh, podcast. Yes. (laughs) Right on. Well, David, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your story. I know people are going to be blessed by hearing this. And uh, we will check you on the next one. Awesome. NBS Fitness Radio out. Thank you for listening to NBS Fitness Radio. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, follow us on social media, and check out our website at www.nbsfitness.net. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more NBS Fitness Radio.